Yeah, all right, cool. We're like milliseconds, if anything. Tatum. Tatum uh, said. Free, free throw. Yep. Number one. Sweet. All right, yeah, we're really right there. So, guys, we are watching the end of game three uh in the nba finals uh boston celtics versus uh the golden state warriors so if you guys are following along or if uh you guys are watching this in the future you guys already know who's going to be winning this game but we're kind of traveling it in through the past uh and you know kind of just doing a live reaction to the last two two minutes minutes of the game so if you're watching if you're watching years from now we are in the year 2022 right now so so, uh for those who didn't watch the game i guess they'll still be kind of cool for you guys too so it is uh 116 celtics and uh the warriors have are at uh 100 and this is game three and the series is currently tied at one apiece at one and they are in boston boston is uh known for being tough yes celtics won game number one in San Francisco, which was big. Yeah. Right? And then the Warriors pretty much crushed them by 18 points. Yeah. I, I mean, 18's not crushing, but, like, it's it wasn't close in the last couple minutes of that game. Like, I, I think and, the Celtics just kind of gave up game two. And we'll, and we'll note that the starters have been pulled. So it's pretty much backup guys. So uh, it, it's pretty much settled that Boston is winning this at this point. Unless, you know, the bench guys just kind of go ham and, uh, you know, get the game back. But that rarely happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is big. I th- This is big coming into Boston. Uh, you know, Boston's definitely always been a, a tough uh, stadium to, you know, go in and get a win. But Boston always plays better at home. I mean, who doesn't? Right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, Boston is like real tough to score a win on on their court. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I mean, I, I think from what I was saying, I, I think it's I'm still I I was saying Warriors in six. I still think we got a series, but it from how these last three games have gone, it's probably going to go seven games, and I might almost have to change my my answer but i'm not sure if i could do that but uh you know it's it's gonna be i think this is going seven games after how these first three games went you know because celtics came out in game one and blew them out of the water warriors came back second game and we're like you know hey we've been here before we're not even looking at game one so this is an easy win for us and they're playing in Boston tonight and Boston showed them who, I mean, with, uh, you know, home court advantage, how to play the effing game. Yeah, man. I mean, we're down to 30 seconds left in the game. Garden state making up 16 points and Celtics not scoring at all. is just not probable. No. Yeah. At this point, it's pretty much stick a fork in them. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, Let's see when the next game is while I'm I think the next game will be either Saturday. I think they're doing almost every three days. I thought they were usually doing every two. Well, that was awful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's why you ride the bench, son. 
<laughs> okay, so I went to Google the next game, and it's Google saying there's one second left in the fourth quarter, and it's still the same score. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that. game yep. four. They're pretty much done. Yeah, game four is Friday at 9 Friday. p.m. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Friday in Boston. Then they go back to uh, Golden State. Uh, for, it, yeah. So, so game, they're back. That would be game five. Yeah. Game five in San Fran is Monday. And then mm-hmm. game six will be back in Boston next Thursday. And then Warriors go, go game seven. That If they go game seven, and since it's going to be in Golden State, whew, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's going to be a freaking game to watch. Yeah. So as we uh, wrap this little thing up, your Boston Celtics, Kate, take game three and (laughs) kick it, (laughs) kick it. They take game three and move up in the series two to one. Back to you, Uh, Wally. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to rain. It's going to (laughs) rain. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Ali. Um, okay, so they scored a basket. <laughs> they scored a basket. All right. Now, if you can just keep doing what you're doing, execute, and the Celtics will win the series. <laughs> if you don't know how to do pressure, know how to do it, think about it, and execute, and go on to do another game better. <laughs> At first, I thought he was talking about Charles, but then no. uh, Mark, uh, yeah, the other guy, I'm like, yeah, he talks like that too. But he he had the Charles Barkley tone to him too. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're yeah. talking about uh, Bill Burr's uh, recent podcast over the last week. That, that was funniest. Whoopsie! Oh my god! If you guys All haven't right. listened to Bill Burr's podcast, you guys definitely got to check that out. <laughs> yeah, he, he he does the Monday morning podcast. If you're into comedy like Anthony and I are, oh my god, this guy this guy's been doing podcasts since podcasts were podcasts like he's got yeah he's got like 15 years of content and he does i i mean i don't know anthony was he only doing once a week and now he does twice a week like i don't i can't even tell you when he started doing thursdays i think he was only doing mondays and then uh he i think he yeah he was just doing mondays for a little while and then a couple years back he started the thursdays along with it so then he started doing mondays and thursdays from what i think you know we'll have to look into that because i've noticed Uh, when he does the thursdays when he does the flashbacks they are always in 2014 so from my they're always the same day but from seven years before which is wild so i would imagine after seven years he started doing like the playbacks um yeah which is pretty cool it's cool like after the fact um it's a lot of content you know? Yeah, but you can also go back and be like, oh, this is what he was talking about seven years ago, like to think where we were when we were 28, almost 29 years old, right? Right, exactly. Totally not where we are now, huh? Um, no. S- no, not even a little bit. Um, so with this game wrapped up, uh, eh, we've got some things to talk about. So Yeah, we got a good say- show for you guys. What do you say about queuing this intro, buddy? Let's do it. And go.
What's up, everybody? How you doing? Jim Green here, aka Green Monster, with my co-host, my brother and best friend, Anthony Irvin, aka Magic. What is going on, my dude? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I am in a great mood tonight. Uh, and I had watched earlier one of my favorite bands that uh, I grew up with, and they had just recently got back together in their like original lineup, and they're starting the tour across the U.S. and they're coming to Philly next month and i'm really trying to go and i watched their youtube video somebody put up uh their set of their uh very first show back uh for anybody watching this if uh they know the band if they're into like the uh post hardcore metalcore type uh music scene uh the band vanna broke up a couple years ago and the original uh you know, band, the original members of that band uh, reformed and started a new band called In Spirit. And now they they just put out an EP a couple months back, I think earlier last year. But also with their shows, they're playing a lot of their old Vanna tunes from their first full EP and their second, uh, or sorry, their first full length called The Alarm and uh their second full length uh hope uh, i think there was another I, I forget uh the full length of it but i think it was called hope uh so they're playing tracks off of those two albums and i think their uh their ep uh the search party never came so if anybody's into that type of uh music or they know vanna uh they were an awesome freaking band back then just high energy uh you know melodic vocals which i was a very big fan of still am in that type of music scene and i'm stoked to see them there and uh you know just hearing a lot of their older songs and older tunes i was so pumped up and you know then just coming here uh to you know do an episode with you uh you know having a good time i started uh mixing my next single so i'm trying to get the the ball rolling on that hopefully to get that out hopefully by next month I still got to do some vocals on there, but I wanted to try to jumpstart some mixing. So I'm trying to get a lot of that stuff done. So a lot of stuff coming behind the scenes. And uh, I finally got the confirmation. So I probably can say this to you guys. I'm playing in Egg Harbor next Saturday, June 18th at the Retinol Winery Resort. I'll be playing in their uh, wine tasting room. So if you want to come see me play, I'm playing from four to seven. Reservations are recommended definitely on the weekends so if you want to come see me and hang out make sure you get a reservation uh so i'd love to see you guys come out uh so that are my those are my plugs for this week as of right now but uh and uh, along with that it was just a busy weekend for me i had a wedding uh you know and then just you know spending time with the family uh me and my wife had our eighth anniversary last night uh wedding anniversary so we uh you know got to hang out do a couple uh adulting things just watching tv and just kind of hanging out uh that about sums that up uh how's how was your week i felt we hadn't really talked uh too much this is the most amount we've talked in like you know the last week since our last episode <laughs> yeah man i mean uh you <clears throat> i knew you had the wedding busy day i know you were uh you said that was like you and jen's first outing away from the baby like the both yeah, of you for together like yeah like an extended period yeah, of time for a, a definitely extended period uh 
amount of time. So yeah, that was definitely a first one. And you know, I've been away from uh, Little Man for an extended amount of time, but I know that she's been there. Uh, but this is the first time that me and her have been away from him. And then, uh, you know, but we had my parents watching him, so we knew he was in good hands. But, you know, I think it kind of struck her a little bit more. I mean, then, I mean, I knew everything was going to be okay. And she knew, but I think as a mother, her motherly instincts is like, oh, I want to get back to my baby. I want to get back to my baby. So it was a good time, though. We were able to kind of just, you know, have a couple drinks and, you know, just en enjoy the wedding, enjoy, you know, kind of spending a little bit of time together. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, not having any uh, babies ever of my own, I'm sure that that first time with the both of you away for hours on end, I'm sure there's anxiety behind it. It's like, oh, no, what if something happens? And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. it's, I mean, it's rare more than common that something like that happens and that's why i think over time the more that you guys do it the more that you'll be like they're fine and it's not that you don't trust them you them um you don't trust little tone in the right. company of your parents it's it's still you you want to be immediately available in the event of an emergency right oh um, yeah and, and mm -hmm. that's that's where i'm sure lies you know the main anxiety of that and yeah and we got to facetime with him a little bit during you know the little break that we had and we got to see him for a little bit and i, I think it just all kind of comes into play with you know since we had him during the pandemic mostly that first year of his life we really didn't go out with him other than if it was you know just going to a doctor's visit or going to my parents house so right. for almost that first year, he really didn't go anywhere. And even for us, we really didn't even go anywhere. So it's kind of, you know, been a cycle and a thing to kind of just be like, you know, even like on these, uh, you know, really good days and hotter days, it's kind of like for us, like, oh, yeah, crap, we got to get him out, you know, because I mean, it is good to get him out, obviously, getting the fresh air and everything. But we're so still in our mindset of like, oh, we can't go outside, blah, blah, blah. So it's like it's been like planted in our brains of like oh it's just stay inside blah 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 so it's like now especially with the summer like and especially how things are going this summer we're trying to do a lot more and you know it's trying to get back into things of like okay let's get him out let's do this we'll put him in the little kiddie pool and you know we'll go over here we'll go over there so just trying to you know rewire what we were so used to doing and trying to get back to you know some type of normalcy in that way of just being like, oh, okay, let's just go here. Let's try to do like a whole, you know, family thing this day or family thing that day, instead of just being like, oh, well, it's just going to hang out in the house and watch Mickey. all Whoopsie. Day. <laughs> Right. I mean, so like remind me because I don't remember. And maybe just to like document it here. So little tone was born August of 2020, you know, uh, I, I guess that was f just about five months after the pandemic shut us down and everything. Do you remember like the month that you and Jen went back to work full time? It was June in 2020. We, you went, you went back full time in June of well, 2020. She went, she went back. 
she went back uh june 2020 full full time i was yeah i guess we both kind of because i was like part-time uh i took the first like two three weeks off when everything shut down everybody had like a three-week you know vacation and then um i thought i started doing i thought you were working virtually technically for those three weeks i had to do like a a paper which my boss never even really checked so i think it was just more like a mindset of like yeah just do this and we'll check it but he never really checked it so i'm like i could have had a three-day vacation doing nothing yeah but uh so then after that i had i started part-time doing like a monday wednesday friday thing right i got used to that that was fun because <laughs> i was like oh i'm getting this uh, i'm getting the same pay for working less i can get used to this <laughs> I'm 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 saying after Lil Tone was born, like Jen wasn't yeah. back. Jen wasn't no, back she, full time for a while. No, right? no, she didn't. She was on maternity leave. I was about to say medical leave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was on maternity leave until November. Okay, so she was. Uh, I think, yeah, November. Uh, and I was working. I took two weeks off. Okay. Uh, when he was born, and then I I went back full time after those two weeks. So you know, just kind of you know getting everything settled in and doing the whole you know newborn getting us all acclimated to everything. And then I went back full time. She didn't go back full time until November. Okay. So, uh, you know, it, it took her a little bit to get back into swinging things too, because especially when she was pregnant, uh, she was off most of the time as well. So she almost didn't even work most of 2020, if you really think of it. So it, it, uh, it, it took her a little bit because then, you know, in November, then she worked for two, three weeks. Then we had uh, Thanksgiving break. She went back for another three weeks. Then we had Christmas and New Year's. So then she was off then. So even when she went back, she wasn't really, she was only there for like three six weeks. weeks. Off. Yeah, three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks off. Off. Yeah. yeah. So she really didn't have too much of a work schedule until, you know, when we went back after the New Year. That's when she really started, you know, going and doing like, you know, the five uh, days a week and, you know, doing a full month and everything. So. Yeah, it took a little bit of time to get back, but you know, there's always challenges. Yeah, I, I didn't remember you guys going back that early. I guess it's just because, like, my, my dad, uh, you know, he works for the government, but like, I think, I think in like uh september 2020 or november 2020 he was there once or twice a week Mm -hmm. he he didn't go back full time until like he was eligible for the vaccine like gotcha at, at like when it first rolled out and they were basically like we want you back full time which means get vaccinated like yeah. without without telling him that he had to, I think he tried right. to fight. I think he tried to fight it off for a little bit because he was like unsure of the vaccine. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I think it was. I think they were also saying something where it was like, "Look, if you're not, if you opt not to get vaccinated and you still want to work from home, we're gonna like do like a pay cut type thing." And he wasn't about that, so he was just like, "You know, Whoopsie. I'm just gonna." Yeah get vaccinated and then get back to work as much as he didn't want to 
because he yeah. got so used to like working from home and just like chilling out. I mean, it was almost it was basically a year for him yeah. that he went from lockdown to having to go back full time. Like mm-hmm. he he was not looking forward to I mean, I think that he's my dad's been a workhorse horse 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 he's been a he's i mean he he grew up on a farm like he i I know i've talked about this before but he Mm. like he thrives to be working hard because it's it's what he grew up knowing it's what his dad taught him kind of thing you know um so you know a a year and some change after he went back full-time now i mean it, it feels normal and not not even normal but my dad used to have to take the train into Philly, um, which was like an hour ride one way. He had like the train pass. Um, mm-hmm. But when they were bringing him back in full time, he was like, I want a parking pass. And they were like, fine, done. He, I, I don't know if he was like, I don't feel like taking public transportation. I don't feel it's safe. And they were like, OK, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he worked around the system. He figured it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, sure he's not the only one that's uh, been able to try to do that. You know, he tried to find the positives in taking the train into the city at first because he's like, I don't have to pay for gas. I'm not putting wear and tear on my vehicle. But it's like you're stuck on the train and hitting all the stops on the way and back for an hour. He he would just read the news on his way into work and then he would like probably nap on the way home. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, it's fine. It's after a long day. Yeah. He, he would take the train in at like 6am. He'd get to work by seven. He'd be done between two and three. If he didn't get stuck there, uh-huh. he'd, he'd be on the train between three thirty and four. We would see him between five and five thirty, um, rolling in if, and that was, that was if I wasn't out teaching somewhere, um, that I would see him rolling at about that time, which was a rare occasion, um, except for the summer. The summer schedules were always different back then. Mm-hmm. But but now he doesn't have to get to the train station by six because um, he he used to leave the house at like 545 to get to the train station by six. Now he walks out the door at like 610, 615 and only takes him a half hour to get to work. So like on like by 95 you know right um but yeah he 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 was out almost a whole year before going back full time um and then i don't need i don't even know i don't see him rolling home like with a mask anymore so i'm guessing he hasn't had to wear one for some time but i know like when he did go back full time he had to wear one like pretty much all uh-huh. night especially working yeah. in the Working in the city, it was pretty much required for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jen's work is still doing the max thing. One, I mean, it's it's understandable because they're working around kids and stuff. Uh, well, the, and the, like, the, ki- the kids that she works with are all under the age of five, and they're not. I mean, they're just now becoming eligible to be vaccinated, and that and that's yeah, yeah. So I get that because when I think the first like time that they cut the mask mandates off uh they did like one day and they're like okay cool you guys don't have to wear the masks and, and then the next day they're like put the mask back on so they, <laughs> so they did like one day without the mask and then they were uh then they had to put the mask back on but i think 
they're still doing the, I think they res, they took off a couple restrictions with it but when you're inside the building uh you still have to wear it uh and they still do like drop offs like no parents can actually go in you they right. bring their kid to the front door and then uh everything uh but outside you don't have to wear a mask anymore and stuff like that and nice. um my my mother-in-law she's still working from home she's been working from home uh since lockdown since 2020 so she's been working from home well are are they just kind of like well we've got you set up so if you don't have to come in the office you're good that's in a way of what they're saying like you know it's i think they're giving at this point i think a couple months back they were like they're giving some people the option whether they want to you know go in or not because you know she has a work computer so she can just work remotely and you know uh, log into her you know system and everything right from her computer so uh she can do anything that she needs to do from her uh homework computer uh that she could do you know going in there uh so i think they extended extended it to september they're trying to get people back in but they've been pulling it and like pushing it back for months now so uh i mean i don't think she minds it but uh you know i think every once in a while it has its moments like okay this is boring you know i need to do something yeah she wants to get up and moving around a little bit probably right yeah yeah so um sorry mine got lost for a second (laughs) (laughs) my my bad i i just started thinking about like seven things at the same time so i apologize (laughs) um So, I mean, my, my weekend, I had my first recital Saturday, which was like, it was my first recital at this particular studio. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's my first year at that one. And I gotta say, like I had to be there by 9am to help do some little setup things, nothing major. Um, I got stationed with what I was doing once the kids came in. We do like a check-in to make sure all of the kids 13 and under are checked in because all of the kids 14 and up, like we basically knew who they were as they were coming through. Uh-huh. Um, and then once everyone was checked in, I told my director, like everyone's checked in, which means we could probably start the show kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Some like very minor set, like super minor setbacks that, and, and, People were still coming in through the door and, and, you know, checking their tickets at the door uh, by the time the show was supposed to start at 11. So I think we started at like 10 after. Um, gotcha. None of their, I, I can't say none, but virtually none of their competition pieces uh, actually performed the recital. Um, so it was all just recital pieces, um, uh-huh. which was different for me. Uh, so the first act was like 18 dances intermission was like 10 15 minutes tops and then we ran the second act we got to the end um we rolled up the marley floor that the studio had to bring in to set on the high school it was actually a middle school Mm -hmm. that the recital was at the middle school auditorium 
because I had been in that particular high school before the middle school auditorium. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe this is a middle school. It was really nice. Right. So um, the show ran like really smooth. There was hardly dead. There was hardly any dead space in between. There was like maybe one or two costume changes where like audience was waiting for like maybe 45 seconds tops in the dark. Yeah. Um, but by the time we were packed up and out of there, like I think Cheyenne and I were out of there at like two 30 and then we had the rest of the day. So it was like, nice. This is really, I mean, I did talk to a couple parents um, tonight at that. Cause they still have classes the two weeks after the recital. Um, yeah. So I, I did get feedback from a couple of the parents that said, we really enjoy the show. I was like, I had nothing to do with it. I was just doing what I was told. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I was like, I can't, I will say like, I've been to about a dozen studios, different, a dozen different studios recitals to be able to say pros and cons of each. Like the parents were like, I wish they, ha I wish they didn't only do one show because they work for months on the recital piece only to go on stage, do it once and then it's done. Yeah. Um, and the one parent was like, yeah, I'm so tired of the comp pieces because I mean, they, that, that competition team, they do a lot of competition. So the pieces are ran a lot and they're, mm -hmm. they're wrapped up anywhere between September and November. So it's like six months after the fact, the kids are like, I'm ready to like, put this one to rest and let's learn new stuff, which is, it's nice. The kids get excited for something new because they work on the same thing for an entire year. Um, yeah. So yeah, that recital went, it was one of the smoothest I'd ever been to. Uh, I think it was because there weren't a million acts. Um, the dancers weren't, completely worn out by the end. I mean, I could tell they were getting like a little fatigued towards the end. Um, but yeah, they were fine. No technical difficulties. Everything was like, like once the show was rolling, there were no issues with the sound, no issues with the lights, no issues with the microphones. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it worked out really, really well. Um, yeah. I mean, I have another recital um well by the time this is published friday uh or it is now 1208 a.m thursday morning we actually had to record wednesday night um we typically record tuesday nights we were trying yeah, so to find a the, time it'll be the 10th it'll be <laughs> friday the 10th by the time that this is coming out so i have a mm -hmm. recital as of when this is published tonight um this studio has 63 numbers three acts and the show accumulates to about three and a half hours it's wow it's it's a long one um but it is their 70th annual recital they wow. have been they have been in business for 70 years it's about i think it's the longest in the local area that i that i've seen um so yeah for, for people to say this is such a really long recital i'm like well there's a lot of students and this studio has been in business for seven decades now so they're probably doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. I, so, I think they've earned, earned the right either sit down or get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. 
I mean, so I have a question for you. If I don't mean to, I'm not sure if you were, did you have any more to elaborate? I have a question for you, but if you have more to say, uh, say with how your recitals went. No, I mean, that was just this past weekend. I had a makeup class Sunday. I went to a graduation party Sunday evening. Um, and that was my weekend. I mean, yeah, I did my Monday Jersey rehearsal that I normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, hung out with my buddy that I normally see on Mondays. Um, it was his last Monday teaching in my local area. So we, we had usually gotten together every Monday. Um, he's not teaching there moving forward. So that's not going to be, we're going to have to navigate like hanging on the weekends now, which you know how that mm-hmm. goes. It's, it's kind of a task in itself. Yeah. So right. I have another recital next week, but I can talk about that one on the next episode which is fine um i i'll recap this upcoming one next week yeah. preview that one and then recap that one the following week so yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's good i know the recital talk i can kind of get into but i mean if you haven't been to a dance recital or um you have and it's been like an experience i remember um I, i'll just i'll actually save that that's fine uh, i'll save that for a different time uh your question you were going to ask go ahead no, uh, just the fact, and we may have talked about this, not on the podcast, but uh, as we talk about a lot of music and dance stuff, but um, is I know there's differences in probably like dance structure between a competition dance and something for a recital, but is there like, you know, with that, is there like a different mindset that you usually, uh, you know, in when you're either choreographing a piece for a competition versus choreographing something for a recital is there so is there other than the obvious differences are there differences in uh preparation and you know with a competition dance versus a recital dance or are they kind of like somewhat similar but different at the same time i mean that's gonna vary from artist to artist so my answer is just gonna be particular to me um because you're going to run into a dance teacher that maybe doesn't teach competition work. They only do recital pieces. So when I run into like, when I run into that, it, I tend to find that they value what they're, what they put in to their recital pieces more heavily because, um, Competition work, okay, there's a lot more pressure because you're competing against yeah, teams from other studios. And this is the thing. I know I've talked about this. Also, when you're attending dance competitions, unless if you troll other dance studios on social media, which when I was growing up, social media wasn't even a thing <laughs> when, right. you, when you and I were. So you will walk into a competition blind, not knowing who you were going up against. So the mm-hmm. whole the whole mindset was, since you don't know who you're going against, you're just competing against yourself. You're you're trying to be mm-hmm. the you're trying to be the best version of you that you can be. Like that was like what yeah. was it? Yeah, but like <laughs> you will walk into a competition, you look around and you would see like you've never heard of these studios before in your life, and and that would maybe mean that they're smaller and like that their caliber is like not a threat to the point where you're like. I 
might as well just go home because I'm going to get squashed. Yeah. Whereas you walk into a competition, you see jackets that you've seen before and you've seen them win big and you're like, ah, we're doomed kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You don't. we didn't know that until we walked into the competition or until we were at the competition and then that studio rolled in and we're like, all right, well, uh, let's just go be the best version of ourselves that we can be because that's what we've been told. <laughs> let's just go out there and have fun, guys. Right. <laughs> so I, I think with competition routines, because the season for competitions is typically anywhere from late November, early December to most people start late, mid to late January to mid February would be like their first one. Um, I also have worked for studios that like their first competition was like early April. You're at a, mm -hmm. you're at a disadvantage starting that late because you might go up against studios that started in January and they've got three months ahead of you of stage experience and you're right. putting your team on stage for the first time in April. It's like you, I mean, that's, that's kind of a disadvantage. I mean, in, in my opinion, um, but there are certain factors that lead to the competition starting so late. Um, sometimes you run into teams where the students maybe don't learn as quickly, or it takes them longer to get things clean, to be ready to go on stage. Whereas some teams it's like, they'll start in late July, early August, build the piece. It's done by early to mid September. And then they spend four to six months polishing and cleaning the piece to get everything tuned up. And then yeah. by the time they go out in February, they're scoring high already rather than like, Oh, first time on stage, like just try yeah. and then, and then we'll get the judges critiques and then you try to polish then. Yeah. There's, there's pros and cons of both. Cause if you get the, if you get a routine clean between December and February, and you're going to be competing this thing between February and July, by the time you get halfway to July in late April, early May, and you've been working on this piece since the previous July or August. It's going to be, you know, really tight at that point. Well, it's going to be tight, but it's going to start to get stale because you've done it mm. so much. And you're yeah, kind of like, that I'm ready. I'm ready to move on from this. So gotcha. Like um, over overexposure to it to yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it. And I growing up, I've been in a position where we would learn a recital piece and it was so good that parents would be like, we should compete that. And after the recital, we're like, oh, yeah, we love that piece. But then we draw it out for an entire year. Yeah. And, and by the like, time you're just like, OK, by the I'm time we get something. by the time you get to the next year, we may have made adjustments for competition. Maybe say one or two kids were in the piece for recital. Maybe they didn't compete or maybe they weren't returning the next year and they got to move things around. It's still the same song. It's still mostly the same movement. And by the time you get to the end of the next season, it's kind of like you're beating a dead horse. It's tough. Um, yeah. So again, pros and cons, everything I have ran into like building routines in March, like speed building them. And mm -hmm. then, and then they wind up doing so well because they're fresh, they're new, there's excitement behind it. Um, and I've seen them go on to do really well. So it's like, it, it, there's no right or wrong answer because it really depends on the choreographer, the music selection, the dancer or team that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Like 
how invested that they are in the choreography, how dedicated that they are to the practice. Um, so many variables that go into what's what's a better situation there. For recital pieces, um, I will say most like studios where they have their competition kids learning their pieces from you know July and August through December, January, those kids are seasoning those competition routines and then starting the recital routines after the new year by the time January, February floats around. Like gotcha. my yeah, like my one my one older kid recital piece for the studio that I uh, had recital for this past weekend. There were there was a like a combination that I did just for fun back in November. And then by the time we got to late December, early January, I asked the class, like, so of the combinations that I did through the fall, like, what was your favorite? Because I taught, like I said, my first year teaching there, I'm trying to, like, read what resonates yeah. with, the, with the students the best or mm -hmm. what, they're, what they're vibing with. So um, they're like, we really liked this one the best. And I was like, let's just make that the recital piece. And they were like, that's cool. Um but again, I started building the routine, building the routine, building the routine. And I, I kept seeing like different visions in my head about like which way I wanted to go. And I kept second guessing myself. So like I hit kind of like a plateau and instead of getting it done like a month earlier than I wanted to, it really wrapped up like two to three weeks before the recital performance. Fortunate, fortunately, that um, group, that class of students, they learn, they absorb, they, they're focused, they understand correction, they work hard. So they went on stage and they did really, really well, um, given like I did a lot of like the moving around of the formations. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and, and, and I usually wait to do that till, till the end in case of like injury, because if I position... And I ran into this at my one studio, and I'm going to get back to it. I started, well, actually, I'm going to say it right now. I started different studio, started building the formations for the whole piece. A particular student was there in the class when I built almost the formations for the entire routine. And then as I'm packing up and we're walking out to leave, she's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to do the recital. And I was like, and you're telling me this now. I just. Right. And she had very good reason for not being able to make it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I wished her, you know, my best. And I came in the next week. I moved things around. Um, that routine had its tech rehearsal last night. They have dress rehearsal tomorrow. This is as of Wednesday, which is actually Thursday morning. But yeah. um, so they'll have their recital tonight once this is published um and it looks good with the five that are performing it um it's not an easy piece but they're they're a really fun group um but yeah they that particular group i would like their choreography had been done for a couple months so all i had to do was move them around they're their situation was they'd have one or two missing every week or every other week. So I wouldn't have the full group there. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas the other studio that I said, like I can throw them stuff and they can pretty much grab it and they're just fast. Um, all of them are almost always there. So that dynamic plays into itself also. Yeah. Um, there are, I, I, I will say when, 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 um, <laughs> when my family was building recitals, um, there were some classes that I would understand that it was basically kids that were dancing recreationally for fun. So I wasn't there to stress them out. So I wasn't building anything super immaculate. It was more so like, how do I make this clean and legible? And when I say legible, I mean, from the audience perspective, they're watching kids up there having fun and it's not too intricate and messy because it's the content is too much for them to handle. Right. Right. Um, I would, I would get carried away sometimes because my brain likes to try to do too much sometimes. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. We do that. Um, because I feel like when I try to keep it simple and clean that I'm being lazy, that's my complex that I have. Um, I, I, I agree. Yeah. In the same way. Yeah. So I, I mean, they're, I think that our opening our opening numbers I would try to keep fun. Um our finale numbers I would try to I would try really hard because it's like if you sat through the entire show and you're in the audience you sh- you deserve to see something that obvi- had an obvious time investment involved. The opening number we usually were like let's keep this fun, let's keep this light. Let's just make it high energy. The crowd's going to be excited that the show's happening. They're not going to be like reading into what does choreography look like. They just want to see their kids on stage having fun. Boom. Cool. The finale, the finale, like I said, if the audience had sat there for two hours and some change, we tried to dedicate like our creativity. We tried to, like group out the kids a little bit more um, than just everyone do this and then everyone do this and then everyone do this. Like we try to provide a little bit more dynamic and depth to the creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that would be the, like the elaborate answer on my end. If I'm, if I'm speaking on behalf of myself and if I'm speaking in terms of people that or teachers that, don't work with competition kids they're they're going to invest their creativity into the recital pieces a little bit more than say you know someone that does competition we're putting like pretty much everything we've got into making the piece as successful as it can be on a competition level right that's gotcha i i think you know building a recital piece it's more so like there's different dynamics there because it's like, is this a recital piece where it's mostly competition kids in the recital routine? Because Mm -hmm. you can do, you can do more because the competition kids train in the studio more times a week, 95% of the time, which means the more training that they're doing, the more seasoned that they are, the more skill sets and, you know, the caliber is higher than, uh, you know, 99% of the time than a recreational student that shows up to dance once a week. Right. It's it's like 
with anything, but I always use going to the gym as an example. Like someone that goes to the gym once a week and works out versus someone that goes to the gym five times a week, you're going to see the results on that person more so than that person. You know, it's 100%. 100%. Hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we always get lost talking about our passions, don't we? Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Let's let's talk about sports real quick. Let's. Okay, so we so, so we yeah. so we started off the episode with that NBA chat, right? Uh, I mean, the game three, what was going on towards the end of the game three, uh, towards the end of the game. Definitely not a one sided finals. It's, it's like I said, pretty, yeah. I think this is definitely going. Uh, seven games I, I didn't think it was going to be a uh, a game seven type of uh series i thought it was either going to be a five or six game series but the way that this is panning out so far uh celtics are up two to one and how it's been going boston warriors boston and we have one more in in boston hey if boston gets another one It'll it'll be tough coming at what I I don't see the Warriors losing. I uh, I don't I don't see the the Warriors uh getting uh you know I don't see them losing the championship in their own house. But I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna go to a game seven. I think it's gonna be uh, a good series. Well, if if that's what you're saying, the thing is is if Boston wins game four and they're up three and one in the series and they go back to San Francisco and the Warriors win game five and the series is at three and two, they go back to Boston. It's like Celtics might just win at game six and like surprise everybody. I mean, yeah, it's a good possibility too. I I think, I think the Warriors winning game four and tying the series at two is what will keep it really interesting. Cause yes, if you know, it's it's going to be if they go back to San Fran and the series is tied at two and the Warriors win game five and it's three two. Then they go back to Boston Celtics win game six and then it's back to San Fran and it comes down to game seven. That I think is like the likelihood of where we're going. If I tell you, if the Celtics win. If the Celtics win game. um four in mm. Bo- in Boston and then they go back to San Fran and the Warriors win game five and then it goes back to Boston and the Warriors win in Boston game six that will be even more interesting that yeah that'd make game seven be like oh my god there's 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 no answer <laughs> there's like yeah because like they say, like, you know, game seven, there's no game plans. All things are out the window. It's just pretty much who wants it more. Man. It's, you know, 48 minutes of, you know, blood, sweat and tears. That's what a game seven's like. You know, it's, you know, all out on the floor. Who wants it more? I, so. I will say, I think. I think San Fran, well, San Fran, I think the Warriors Winning, I mean, the Warriors winning game four definitely has me feeling confident that they can still win it, but not until game seven. 
Mm-hmm. The Celtics winning game four really has me feeling like they could win it game six at home. I, I would say 50, 50% chance that if they win game four, 50% chance they might take it out by six. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't see I don't see them winning game five if they win game four. Yeah. I, I can see them, you know, going back to Boston uh, up three, two and having a good chance to, you know, just win, win the series game six. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just depends be- on how they come out next game, because, again, I think the the Warriors will definitely come out again like they did in game two and it, it's def- definitely hard just playing it's always definitely hard playing in boston right uh i mean my 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 dad's always not not that he's never been a boston fan but he has his uh you know teens where he's like yeah well they they like to cheat in their home court so i mean they <laughs> usually got they usually have the upper hand is usually like boston uh utah like those are the only, and, and I think that comes from like you know me being a Bulls fan back then. You know, uh, Celtics were always like that. The, the Utah Jazz were big. Uh, you know, things like if you were playing in Utah, you know the the Utah were always going to get the calls, and uh, you know the visiting team was always going to get the worst calls. You know, but um, yeah, I mean, Boston it has so much uh, history and legendary status in there. I mean, Larry Bird. Uh, you know everybody on that team and but it, it just playing in the garden and being able to you know get to a game uh and into a finals in that you know uh jason tatum i i didn't get to watch all of the game tonight but this is something for like jason tatum being in the first finals is uh something that uh you know if he can win it in his first finals that'll definitely be something for him to be you know putting himself on the map of uh you know taking himself into one of the bigger guys of the, f- of the future you know yeah i mean and like look i am not for or against either team i have watched both teams uh in postseason games and I've seen them both be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like I, the the Warriors, I believe, were playing the Mavericks, and I, I think I said this on the last episode. I was like, "Oh my god, these guys are insane." Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but to watch Boston go up against them, and now we're up in the series two to one. I'm like, you you can't deny Boston is a good team. Like, and yeah. Yeah, I I just and they haven't been in the finals since like the early two thousands when I think it was um you know Garnett Allen and Paul Pierce on the team I think they had I think Boston hasn't seen a finals or a or at least a play well they I think they've gotten in the playoffs but they haven't seen a finals run since you know the uh, era with uh, Ray Allen uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. So they've had a, a good couple years where they've been knocked out of the uh, finals before either in the East, Eastern Conference finals or getting into the Eastern Conference finals. They've been getting knocked out the last couple of years. So they finally broke the barrier to get into the finals. So this is like they're like we finally got over the hump. So now we got this is like our chance to, you know, get get the big win. 
and with the Warriors, you know, it's just, you know, they've been here before and they're just trying to get another one, you know? So they, they got the, they're the team with the experience. Yeah. I think it's wild to think like, you know, Jason Tatum had just turned 24 years old, like three months ago. And, yeah. And it's insane. And <laughs> Steph Curry had just turned 34 years old, like three months ago, like to think that they're 10 years apart. Um, yeah. I mean, Steph Curry is just obviously 10 years beyond Jason Tatum like season, but it's scary to think how much better Jason Tatum can be going mm-hmm. in the next decade. It's, he's that he's got a full career ahead of him. Yeah. That's so. wild. Uh, mm-hmm. I just want to say best of luck to both teams. It's great to see them both uh, trying to and it's nice to see a series where it's not like, okay, after three games in it's a three and O lead and it's just kind of like, it's not even fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just get a, away from basketball just because I am not like real seasoned in basketball. Um, I mean, I'm not real seasoned in most any sport at all, but I, I, I have to piggyback off the shit I was talking last week on the Philadelphia Phillies. Cause, yeah. um, but it's cool that you've been getting into sports over the last couple of years, and uh, you know, it's it's cool to see you kind of just you know d- dabbing into the uh you know football and baseball and basketball, you know, because I know like when we were younger, I mean you, not that you didn't want anything to do with sports, but sports was like not your thing to really uh talk about. Uh, but it's cool that, you know, it's been uh, you've found that interest to be like, OK, I mean, I'm willing to kind of just, you know, watch a game and, you know, get into the mindset and everything. So it's been cool to kind of, you know, talk sports about it, too. Yeah, I mean, I think right after graduating high school, I started getting into like the Eagles, but um, I would only. I mean, I I know I was like into the Sixers in eighth grade because that's when they went to the championship and like Allen Iverson was big. Um, but I was the kind of kid that like, I'd only watch the Philly sports teams. Now I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, I'll I'll literally watch a game. If I know it's a good matchup because I want to see, I want to see a good matchup. Like I'm, I'm like actually like interested and invested in, um, I'm, I'm at the point where it's like, I almost know, like which sports teams are in which conference. Mm-hmm. Some I know like the divisions that they're in. Um yeah. I'm I'm still not tuned in on like the players on other teams. Yeah. Um, I mean I'm just getting I'm just getting good having watched the Phillies as much this season with like who is who. Because before the uh-huh. season, before the season, I didn't know who anybody was except for Bryce Harper, obviously. Um, yeah, and I've been the same way with. Ba- I I think out of the sports, baseball has been, you know, not the least favorite, but the least that I know about. I mean, usually uh, with Jen, she played softball in college, so usually a lot of my baseball knowledge comes from her. Right. And where she was not much of a basketball person. So sometimes if she's like, you know, watching a basketball game, it's usually coming from me because she, she won't watch a basketball game by herself more than anything else. So she'll be watching with me. Right. Uh, but you know, 
and I guess that's with uh, hockey too. Like I, I, I know enough about hockey, but I don't really know a lot of players unless they're like, you know, the top guys in the league or something, or maybe the, uh, a handful of top guys that are in the league. Uh, but it's like you said, like with those type of sports, it's like, okay, if I'm going to watch something, I just want to watch a good game. Yeah. I, I, and I know that uh, it, I'm going to be, you know, not just entertained, but you're going to see a good matchup between two teams. And I think that's from like a, from a, not necessarily a non-fan, but as somebody who's trying to get into the sport, that's a good way to kind of, you know, keep yourself interested because you want to see, you want to see the sport being played by the best, you know, players and, you know, you want to see a good game, you sure. know, instead of just a regular, you know, regular season, like, oh, okay, it's just another night and, you know, nothing of like, you know, substance. So. Exactly. Cause like, I mean, games where it's like low scoring on both teams, to me, it's like, okay, well, it's good defense offense. So yeah. like try to break through. It can be interesting, but if it goes on into the third quarter and it's like zero, zero, I'm like, what is this? What are these offenses doing? Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, but then it's like, if it's a high scoring game on both teams and it's like, what, what are these defenses doing? Right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And then, and then if it's a landslide, it's like, well, this one's already in the bag and like, I don't even care when it gets back yeah. and forth and interesting where it's like one quarter, one team is doing really good. And then like it's even kill second quarter, I'm talking football specifically. And then third quarter, mm -hmm. it's like the team that was the underdog takes the lead, but then the team that was leading early on in the game gets to the lead and then it's like interesting into the fourth quarter. Those are the games that I like. It, it's it's a right. lot more interesting there. Um, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta. I'm the Phillies are now, as of Thursday, June 9th, twenty twenty two, twelve thirty nine a.m. Six game winning streak after they had been losing a ton, and they fired yeah. Joe. They fired Joe Girardi, and I'm over here like, how are you gonna fire? That guy, when the players are playing like this, they fire Joe Girardi, and now the team is just, like, killing it. Swept the Angels. Um, I forget. Who was the last game that they played before the Angels? I forget who they beat. Uh, da -da 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 yeah, I'm not sure. It was, uh, it was the Giants on... Uh, okay, that's right, yeah. That was last Wednesday, uh, June 1st, and then they just... They just beat the Brewers last night and tonight for their six-game winning streak. Hopefully, they can sweep Milwaukee tomorrow. The game's at two. I have. Yeah, I mean, I it's, kind of, it's kind of funny how they just. I mean, it, it must have lit a fire under them because it just. And I guess just with any sport, I mean, the the thing is like, you should never think that your spot can never be replaced like you you can always be traded you can always be replaced so you should never think that your uh position is guaranteed even if you're a top guy because going into uh you know what we were talking about a little bit with the last dance uh how you know scotty pippen was uh you know talking about the fact that when he came into the league he signed a contract for a a low ball contract not knowing that uh, I think there were some, you know, schemes in there that he could have been making a lot more, but he signed the contract in a way that kind of locked him in for a good amount of years. But 
uh, at that time, they were thinking about probably just trading him too. Mm. So he just figured, okay, well, I'm just going to, he had had an injury coming into that last season, uh, which they were talking about the last dance. Uh, but he was kind of fighting with uh, the owners and his contract and everything. And, you know, the thing was that they were thinking about trading him. They were thinking about doing this and that. He's like, well, you know, I'm probably one of the best players in the league at this point, And uh, I'm not even making probably a fifth of what I should be making. So I'm just going to worry about me. And, uh, you know, I think Jerry Cross was, was the one, correct me if I'm wrong, people, if you're hearing this, but uh, saying that, you know, like anybody can be traded. You know, you know, just because you might be one of the better players on the team, if we find a better deal, we're going to trade you. So it's in, in a way with sports, I think a lot of people forget that sports are a business before trying to make people happy about like, oh, OK, well, this guy is playing this way that the guy's playing this way. Number one, it's always uh, business always comes before a lot of things. So, you know, uh, if there's a better offer on the table nine times out of 10, those people are going to take it if it's worth it. So, uh, but you know, for the, the fact that, you know, one of those things like, you know, with him getting fired, if it set a fire with those guys to be like, Hey, this is something we need to change. Maybe that's a, that's a thing. And, and Hey, I mean, I haven't been watching the Phillies too much to really know about Joe Girardi, but when he came into the league or when he came into, uh, you know, Philly, I'm like, all right, well, coming from the Yankees and with what he did with the Yankees, we might get some wins. We might even possibly get back into the finals. That's didn't really happen. That's how I felt. And that didn't really happen. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes I think, well, maybe it just wasn't Joe. Maybe it was, you know, upper management and maybe it was this too. And sometimes you got to think of the players too, but I think, I think there's, and it goes with basketball too. I think sometimes the head coach is not always the first one you should be blaming because the coach isn't the one out there playing the games. The obviously the players are out there first. He's only, you know, the he's, he's the coach coaching the players to you know, make, make sure that they're, you know, getting better and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, <laughs> Joe's not the one out there on the mount. Uh, pitching the ball or he's not uh, the one, you know, up at bat, you know, so he can only do so much, but you know, it is what it is. And again, uh, that that's business, but uh, you know, they're, they're on a 10 game winning streak. So, Hey, they, it, it, it had to have worked in some way with them being on a win streak. Yeah. I mean, six games, but I mean, it's been, I don't know how long since I heard the Phillies win six in a row. And yeah, for anyone that's like, well, they're playing not the greatest of teams. It's like, well, Milwaukee is, they have a pretty high up their win percentage. And the thing is, is uh, my buddy and I were talking about this last night. They don't hit super well, but their pitching is really good. Whereas the Phillies, we can hit our pitching is not as strong as it was 2008 when we were winning the world series. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I will still, I will still sit here and say, Corey can our closer gives me a panic attack. Every time that we <laughs> are up and 
he is our closer in the ninth inning. I'm like, don't here we go. <laughs> don't you freaking dare screw this up because yeah. he, he has in and not and not just kind of, but like royally real bad. And I'm like, we in that game we were watching, he uh, first hit and they were uh, it wasn't it was the game before the Giants game. I think uh, I forget who they were playing, but they were they were up. Uh, and, uh, you know, he hit first, first pitch the guy hits a grand slam first grand. It was one of the rookies first, uh, not a grand slam, uh, his first home run of his career for, uh, first pitch and he hits a Homer <laughs> and then they got, I think they, they, uh, closed the lead and they tied it at four. It was, so it, it's like, it was, um, the Mets. There you go. And, yeah. and the Mets are, I mean, at, I don't know if they still are, but at one point they had the best record in Major League Baseball. Like, And they are easily leading um, the National League East, which is where the Phillies are. I, I mean, I can look it up. It won't take two seconds. But, um, yeah, I mean, they like maybe the Mets are doing bad. And maybe we're not that many games back. Uh, okay, the Phillies are currently ten games back. Yeah, the Mets are still doing good. So, gotcha. The, yeah, the, the Braves are only seven and a half games back. So we're only two and a half games back from tying with them. I mean, three games back from the Braves. There's there's still a good amount of games left, and I think that this is why people sleep on baseball because there's so many games. It's the oversaturation of how many games that they play. Oh, yeah. That is just like, oh, yeah. if you miss a game, it's like, oh, they won or they lost. Okay, next. Um, whereas, you know, football, it's 17 games. Every every game matters. So it's Every like, game does matter. So you have to tune in to those games. You can miss. Mm-hmm. You can miss a game. And if the Phillies lose, it's like, okay, get them next time because they play 162 63 games a year. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the same, same thing with basketball. I mean, basketball is 72, uh, 80, 82 games a year. I'll have to double check on that. But, uh, you know, it, it's all, almost the same way that, you know, if you lose about five games, you know, it's not too bad, but, you know, it's not a good thing. So, and then you got to get back on the bandwagon with it. But like you said, with football, you know, losing one or two games in a row, three, you know, that that's almost a third of your season. So you de- definitely got to be more, uh, you know, manageable with uh, being able to keep up with football and basketball. But baseball, you're playing almost like three, four, five games a, uh, a week. So, you know, you can come back a little bit more easily with baseball, but, you know, you, you never like to hear the, the losing streaks, but it, you, you play so many games that, you know, uh, a three, four, five losing streak is not as detrimental as if it's like a football or a uh, basketball, you know, losing streak. Right. Uh, how many games did you guess for NBA? 80, I think the lowest was 72 or, and then 82, 82, 82. So, yeah, so it's still 82. So I'm looking at the standings for teams that didn't make it into, uh, the postseason, and they're all adding up to 82. So that's, that's, the yeah. Number. 
because um, yeah, I was thinking of uh, the Bulls record, 72 and 10. So I'm like, oh, wait, okay, so 82. There you, <laughs> there you go. So let's, let's, let's hypothesize this. Given uh, the Sixers made it into the postseason, right? Right. Um, this this year, and they got in last year too, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. But they they don't get past the second round, right? Like that's the thing. No, because they lost to, they lost to the Hawks uh, before the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah. And then this year they lost to Boston, uh, right? Or or was it Heat? It was the Heat. Yes, they lost to my, Miami. Oh, oh, we beat we beat the Raptors in the first round. We lost to the Heat yeah. in the second round. Okay, correct. Um, I mean, the Phillies are currently sitting at twenty seven and twenty nine with a point four eight two. Um, so I mean they're. They're 56 games into the season. They usually go 162 or three. I'm pretty sure they got a late start, so it's not going to hit that number. But that means that they still have probably close to 100 games left to play. Yeah. Um, so so a, there's a lot of games to play in order for I mean they, to change up, and that 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 score can be a lot different within you know within 20 games. A lot can happen. Yeah, I mean you've we're we're coming up well. From June 9th to June 30th, they have two days off. So in three weeks' time, they're playing 19 games. And then they have July where, okay, so there's three days off that they have, but also three days for the All-Star game. So there's six days out of July. So they're playing 25 more games in July. And then in August, they're off one, two, three games three days so they're playing 28 games that's i'm assuming no double headers on this schedule that i'm looking at but we know that they play double headers so yeah i mean there's 50 games there and then september and october it, it's really only showing that oh okay october showing me october 1st and 2nd um games so september it's every monday they have off but and Thursday, September 1st, they have off. So there's five days out of the 32. So that's 27 more. Okay, so they have like 100 more games at least. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so plenty, it, plenty, of, plenty of games to play. I, I think with this current winning streak, if Joe Girardi was really a problem, we're going to find out through the month of June. Yeah. Like, like in the next three weeks, we're going to like if they really turn it around. And I think it's fair to say who their opponents are. So in June, they, they play Milwaukee on Thursday the 9th, which by the time this is published was yesterday. We'll see if they sweep. Mm-hmm. Then we host the Diamondbacks, which apparently have not a great record. And then we host yeah. um, Miami Marlins, which are beneath us in the standings. Um, they're 24 and 30. So they're only they're only twelve games back, whereas we're only ten games back. So, I mean, we'll see. We do have home field advantage. Um, if we're still playing solid, great. If we start taking a poop, not great. 
Um, but then we go on to play a four-game stretch against Washington Nationals at Washington, which they're at the bottom of the food chain in our division at 21 to 37. There's 17 games back from the Mets. So yeah. even if we super error lose one of those games, I'm pretty confident that we'll win the other three. And then we have a day off. And then we go play the Texas Rangers. And then we go play the San Diego Padre for a four-game stretch. And then we host the Braves at home. So the Braves at home seems to be a rather genuine test. Um, Like like you said, I think June will be the testament of if Girardi's, uh, you know, being fired, if that was the issue, if they kind of go... Uh, and get a couple more wins out of this month. I don't expect them to go, you know, and be on a streak for the rest of the month. But uh, yeah, it, it, if they can, you know, get on a a more winning streak than a losing streak than what they were, then then they'll be saying something. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, currently the uh, let me see. I know we're doing a lot of baseball talk here or one set fans for those of you who aren't baseball fans. I'm just getting into it because last week I really uh did whoopsie on the Philadelphia Phillies. Um <laughs> so we're resurrecting the thought. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm just you know being fair and saying, hey, maybe this is the turnaround that the Phillies could use and they could do. I'm not saying they're going to win yeah. the World Series right now. I mean, there's just way too much that they have to prove after the fact. Uh Get a better bullpen because uh, your bullpen terrifies me every time we get towards the end of the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I will say the Texas Rangers are 26 and 30, which is only one extra loss against what the Phillies record is at. Um, so that matchup could be good by the time. I'm, but I, again, we have. Currently, we have 11 games to play before we even go to Texas. We only play them twice unless one of those two days are a doubleheader. But then we're we're doing a four-game stretch in San Diego against the Padres, who are currently sitting at 34-22, and 22, um, only two games back from the L.A. Dodgers that are 36-20. and 20. Um, Mets are currently 38-20. and 20. Okay, the Yankees are 40 and 16. So the Yankees currently hold the best record in baseball, which no surprise. Um, yeah, lots of baseball, lots of baseball to play. Anthony, real quick before we wrap up, I know we've been wanting to talk about this since we did a lot of sports talk today. Uh, who is the next Philadelphia championship team? Eagles. Eagles. I like it. Um, Not necessarily saying that they're going to win it next year. I am looking forward to seeing how they come out because I feel that they had a really good draft. The, the probably one of the better ones in the last couple of years, but I think out of what the Philly teams are holding right now, I think the Eagles have the best chance of taking home another championship. I will, within uh, hopefully the next couple of years. I will say sooner than later <laughs> i will say i am more and and this is maybe because um the phillies are doing good right now or not not good but they're they're hitting a stride per se yeah. 
Um, what did the Eagles even finish at last season? Do we know? Um, it was. Um, was it nine and seven? I mean, I think they only won nine games. No, it would have been nine and eight because they they had seventeen games, not sixteen games. They, they were, started the seventeen. Game. They were nine and eight, so they were just a, okay. Their percentage was point five two nine. Um, I mean, <laughs> for the Dallas, I think they they got on like a little run at the end for the kind of help them back for the Dallas Cowboys to be twelve and five, and and they lost in the first playoff game. So ha ha. So, yeah. <laughs> um I'm going to say I'm they've done that. <laughs> here's here's my thing. Because in baseball you can lose a game in the postseason and have another chance because it's a series. Yeah. Um right. in football it's like once you lose you're out, you're done. Once you, you get, or die. Once you get to the postseason. Um I think with someone like Bryce Harper, someone like Nick Castellanos, I mean, Castellanos is my favorite of the new guys. Obviously, Bryce is as great as he is because mm-hmm. he won't have been offered the money that he was if he wasn't that great. Um, right. There is a lot of potential on the team, especially amongst the younger guys. So I think Alec Bum offer him more money, keep him longer. Um, he's definitely an asset. Um, I can't... I cannot believe the Alec Bohm and Matt Veerling back-to-back home runs last night that got us up three to two against Hater from uh, you know the Brewers that had us lead the game. I'm laying in bed watching it. Cheyenne's asleep, so I can't even be like roaring excited. I'm just like I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for her to wake up and figure out who won the game and how we won the game because we always called Matt Veerling trash can because the guy couldn't do anything. <laughs> couldn't <Right>. do anything. <laughs> um, so you're going with the Eagles. I'm going to say the Phillies. Uh, I, I think you and I agree the Sixers, um, they're postseason material, but they're not, not championship material. They, they still got a couple more puzzle pieces to figure out, but they're, they're there, but th- they're not, like I said, if even if they got past Miami, they were not going to beat uh, Boston. So the way you're saying it is they're there, all lowercase letters, dot, dot, dot. But they are not there, caps locks there. Whereas yeah. you watch the Celtics and you watch the Warriors and you're like, they're there. I mean, obviously they're in the championship, but you watch them play and you're like, they're they're there for a reason. I mean, there's a reason why the Mavericks didn't make it. Um, I think they just put all their eggs in Luka Doncic. Like they just expect him to carry the team. And then the Suns yeah, and, he, and he's a great player. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't I don't follow Mavericks too much other than what he's been doing, but yeah, I mean he he's definitely gonna be a dominant player. I think so, so too. Uh and, and again, I mean the Suns Devin Booker being out late like he was, that definitely hurt him. I mean. Yeah. They'll be back in, though. Absolutely. I I, I would like to see Chris Paul get a get a ring before he, you know, hangs his shoes up. Because he, he's definitely one that, I, I mean, there's been a lot of guys. Like, I don't, wait, yeah, Dwayne Wayne got a ring. 
but there's been a lot of guys that uh you know were greats barkley he i, I don't he's one of the ones i mean I, did he i might be wrong i don't think he 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 won a ring he didn't win win with the sixers did he I, i'll have to look that up uh but again my point is there there are a lot of players that are you know in the top 50 greatest basketball players but some of them never really won a championship but they're great basketball players but you know devin booker the same same you know uh lineups with uh you know tatum and uh you know the guy from the mavericks all those guys that are coming up now uh you know they're they're the future of the nba so there's going to be some really good battles coming up in the years to come yeah, I just Googled how many rings does Charles Barkley have. Charles Barkley scored 23,757 points and grabbed 12,546 rebounds in his career, but he never won an NBA title. We don't know who started this. You ain't nothing without the bling thing in pro sports, but it has got to stop as soon as possible, if not earlier. <laughs> is what the person <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, Bar- Barkley was a, is a great uh basketball player is one of the 50 greatest players but again one of those guys never won a championship so uh but yeah uh the the future's bright with the nba they got a lot of good players and that's what all you have to do is just have these guys like you know steph uh stephen curry and all those guys lebron just you know paving the way for the for the uh guys that are coming up in the league so because you know I, i think lebron's you know easing towards the end of his career Steph uh curry's get, getting towards the end of his career kevin durant all those guys you know they're they've been in for a good couple of years so we're only we only have a couple more years with those guys until you know some of the younger dudes are going to start taking it into the league absolutely so it's gonna be interesting yeah but yeah i mean hopefully this next uh game four is going to be a another slobber knocker slobber yeah, I think and uh, yeah. by the time we do the recording next week for the next episode, uh, episode 24, um, there is a game scheduled for Monday night. So we'll be at game five. So, I mean, the Celtics, if they breeze through the next two games, we'll have champions to talk about. Um, otherwise, yeah, looking forward to follow up on this discussion next time. Uh, may- maybe keep it a little bit lighter because we did heavy sports talk today. Um, We do have some wrestling things, not super other than like CM Punk being the AEW champion, except he's getting surgery. He got hurt. Now they're going to do this whole tournament thing to crown an interim champion. And Cody Rhodes was set to be almost definitely the money in the bank winner. His, he got injured. He's got the torn pec. We've all seen the bruise that he worked through for the hell in a cell match dudes. Yeah. Dudes crazy. So I, I, I mean, there's a lot up in the air with wrestling. So it's like, you can talk about things, but it's a lot of speculation. So that's why we've been kind of holding off. We'll, we'll wait until we get a little bit closer to money in the bank and SummerSlam yeah. both coming up in July. And anything else before we wrap up for tonight? I think good. I plugged my show. Uh, if anybody want to hear it again, uh, wait june 18th what time do you play four to seven okay i don't remember you saying that earlier so i just wanted to make sure everyone caught what time that you're on it 
Yeah, so 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. June 18th in Egg Harbor, New Jersey at the Retinol Winery Resorts. And if you guys are uh, looking and uh, trying to come out, reservations are recommended uh, as per what the Retinol Winery says on the weekends. Uh, so if you guys want to come hang out, uh, you know, have a drink, some food, and listen to some live music, uh, feel free to come out, make a reservation, stop in and say hi. Other than that, uh, this has been another episode of One Set. Thank you guys for all the support. Make sure you guys like us on Facebook, Instagram. Give us a uh, hit that subscribe button uh, and like this episode on YouTube. If you guys are watching on any podcast platforms, make sure you guys hit us up and uh, rate review it helps us in the charts uh and our video is available on spotify so all you spotify users you guys are, have the video available there uh and if you guys want to uh send us some questions send us a what's up uh make sure you guys send us an email at uh it's one uh one one set pod at gmail.com so thank you guys brother Love you. Cheers to you guys. Love you, my dude. Love you too. Until next time. Till next time. Till next time. Ugh. Mm.